All right, Children's Church, you may follow Faith and Miss Flo um, upstairs to get ready for the presentation. <laughs> now, if that's not an awesome sight, I don't know what is. Uh, they're taking over. I think we might be outnumbered soon. <laughs> oh, man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right, so today we are going to take communion. Um, and while they're up there getting ready and dressed and prepared for their um, presentation to kind of cap off the last season of uh, ministry that they've been doing, um, we're going to just kind of reflect on communion. I don't have a big extensive outline or a bunch of notes. Um, probably not going to be that long. I just really want to kind of share some thoughts with communion uh, with you guys. Um, this past week, I heard a song for the first time, and it's a newer song, but it's not super new. It's I've been out for a few months, but it's called Is He Worthy? Um, I've been listening to Shane and Shane's uh, rendition of that. And basically the song goes, and it starts asking questions. Um, it'll say, you know, do you feel the world is broken? And then uh, the chorus will respond with, we do. And it'll say, do you feel the shadows deepen and the chorus responds with we do and they'll say is all creation groaning it is and it says is a new creation coming and they respond it is but then it gets down to the chorus and it says is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy of this and they respond he is and so really and truthfully you know when we're looking at communion I think the question that we have to begin with, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is He worthy? Is Jesus worthy? Because when you look at communion and it's going through what you're doing, it says, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of Me. Remembrance means reformulating or putting the thought process back together, reforming the picture of Jesus in your mind, reverencing Him, honoring Him. It even says that some, because they do communion in an unworthy manner, are sick, some are dead, some are struggling because they're doing it without reverence. So if communion is us coming together to focus on Jesus, to formulate a picture of Him, to honor Him, to reverence Him, we have to start with the simple question of, is He worthy? Is Jesus worthy? And I know in a general sense, and we can establish that biblically, that He is worthy. And that's what we're about to do. We're going to go through some thoughts of why He is worthy. In a general sense, what the Bible says. But how about individually? As individuals, is He worthy to you? Do you have that in your mind that He's worthy? Like, do you understand the premise that Jesus is worthy of all exaltation, of all honor, of all praise, of all reverence, of all glory, of all power, the kingdom and the might and the dominion all belong to Him? Do you have that in your mind that He is worthy? Is it stuck there? How about this? Do you have it in your heart that He is worthy? Because that's really the question. So you can have something in your mind and not have it in your heart. You can have an understanding of who God is without having God in your heart. You can have an understanding of who Jesus is and what He did without having that conversion and that power of the Spirit in your heart. But you cannot have it in your heart without first having it in your mind. And what I mean by that is you cannot 
have Jesus in your heart without acknowledging and understanding that He is worthy to be in your heart and to sit on the throne of your heart without first having that in your mind that He is worthy of all exaltation and honor and glory and praise and might and dominion in the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Right? You can have it in your heart but it has to be in your mind first. And I know that in a general sense, biblically speaking, we understand that Jesus is worthy. And some of us in our mind, we understand that Jesus is worthy. But the majority of us, not us as in this local body, but the majority of us as Christians in Christendom across the nation and in the world as a whole, while we might have a mental understanding, I feel like there are far fewer people that have it actually in their heart that Jesus is worthy. And how do I know that? By looking at the fruit of their life. You know, this past week or these past weeks we've been on the Emmaus journey and we've looked at the different relationships with God. And one of the relationships that we looked at was the vine and the branches. And that the fruit dictates and shows what type of tree it is. When you can look at the fruit on many people who claim to be Christians' lives and the fruit does not reflect that Jesus has their heart. We look at their actions and we see that their fruit and their actions don't reflect that they're in fact attached to the vine. So, but they can tell you technically what, how they're saved. They can explain to you biblically how Jesus is worthy. But their heart and their actions, because out of their heart, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of their heart, their words form. Out of their heart, their actions flow. So you can tell by their actions that their heart isn't actually for Jesus. Jesus says, Isaiah prophesied well of this generation that they speak correctly with their mouths, but their hearts are from, far from me. Oh, that they would have a heart after me. And see, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart. And that's really what I want to focus on is, is He worthy to you as an individual, not just in your mind, not just in the Bible, but is He worthy to you as an individual in your heart? Do you have that firmly grounded in your heart that He is worthy? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, and it's going to be verse 23 to start off with. And this is just a passage for communion. You've read it before. We've preached it before from this pulpit the last time that we did communion. But we're going to do it in a bit of a different manner this time. First Corinthians 11, verse 23. I'll give you just a second to turn there. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, also, He took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment. King James actually says damnation on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. 
But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So here's the premise. In that song that we sang, King of My Heart, which by the way, when we started singing that song, I could tell that everybody was familiar with it and seeing everybody's voices elevate from what it was the song prior. It was beautiful. It's beautiful seeing people come together and actually worship because you can tell when people are singing and they're trying to make sure that they don't sing the words right, but when it comes to a song that they know and they start just singing from their heart because they're not worried about whether or not they're getting the words right, it's beautiful because that's what this is about, worshiping Jesus. Why? Because He's worthy. Remember, that's the premise of the message. Is He worthy to you as an individual? And we sang that song, King of My Heart. One of the lines of that song says, He paid the ransom for my life. It doesn't say He paid. It just says the ransom for my life. Attributing that to Jesus. Ransom for my life. And if you look at the word ransom, what ransom is, is if a kidnapper comes and steals your child away, they'll come back to you and say, if you give me a million dollars and a helicopter ride to Tahiti, then I'll release your child. And if you pay that money, that price that they demand, that's the ransom. And see, the interesting thing about Christianity is, is that Jesus became the ransom, the price paid for our redemption, which is the purchase of us. So that's why when we look at this and in our creed and in our doctrine, we talk about the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus a lot. And what that simply means is that we incurred a debt that we could not pay. We became guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. We committed cosmic treason through sin. And we could not ascertain or acquire our righteousness in of ourselves. We were incapable of it. There was a debt that was paid, or there was a debt that was developed, and it had to be paid. See, God is holy. And the great paradox of Christianity is that we are saved by God from the God, in a, a, essence. We are saved by God and His a plan of atonement and redemption from God and His wrath. Because God is holy and He cannot look upon sin. He cannot have sin in His presence. He cannot have fellowship with sin. He cannot have relationship with sin. That's what made the sacrifice of Jesus so necessary. So God put on flesh and came to this earth and endured a whole list of sacrifices that we're about to go through leading up to the ultimate sacrifice which was His life. And He did that in our place. That's substitution. We were guilty. We deserved the stripes. We deserved the nails. We deserved the cross. We deserved the crown of thorns. We deserved to be beaten and mocked and flogged. We deserved the punishment. We deserved death. Jesus did. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed three times. Spirit, soul, and body, He prayed three times. Let this cup pass from Me, not My will, but Your will be done. And He took that cup upon Himself. And First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians says this, it says in verse five, or chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He that knew no sin, never committed a sin, was guilty of nothing, became sin. He became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Galatians 3.13 says that we're freed from the curse because He became a curse as it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. See, 
we were listening on the way to church this morning. We were listening to Francis Chan, and he was just ministering. He was talking about some things. And one of the things that he was talking about and that he was focusing on so heavily was the wrath of God. And he said, so often we have been ashamed to talk about the wrath and the judgment of God. So often we shy away from that. We shy away from the severity of Christianity and we highlight the goodness and we highlight the love. And I do too. I love talking about the grace and the goodness and the love of God. Just like she was just saying in that exhortation, it's more innumerable than the sands of the sea. It's so vast that you couldn't even count the sum of them. The number is beyond even our finite comprehension. However, if we focus on just the good aspects and we forsake the negative aspects, we forsake what we deem as negative or bad in conjunction with the wrath of God, then we're only preaching a partial truth. We're preaching a shaded gospel. We're not preaching the entire gospel. Because without the wrath of God, the grace of God is nowhere near as good. If we're not aware of the judgment and the condemnation and the damnation that we were actually facing when we were ascertained or acquired by the grace of God, then we're not truly aware of how good that grace is. It's like this, if I tackle you before you walk in your front door, tackle you to the ground, you're going to be like, what is going on? Now, if you understand that I just tackled you to the ground because someone has hardwired your door to explode your whole house when you open up your door to go inside, then you're going to be a little bit more thankful for me tackling you to the ground because I just saved your life. However, if there's no punishment, if we're not aware of any kind of punishment, if we're not aware of any kind of judgment, if we're not aware of any kind of damnation, if we're not aware of any kind of hell, and if we don't acknowledge and preach those truths, then we can't truly be thankful for the grace of God because we don't realize what the grace of God has actually done for us. So the question is this, going back to our starting question, is He worthy? Is He worthy of it all? Is He worthy of the honor and the glory and the praise? And is He worthy not just biblically because we can see that God is holy, that Jesus gave everything, that He endured the nails, He endured the stripes on His back, He bled and He bled, He endured the wound in His side, all of the beating, the mockery, all of that for our redemption. And He didn't have to do any of it. He could have just wiped out the human race and started again. He had the capability, He did it once. But He desired us, not because of what's in us, but because of the overflow of the love that's in Him. And He desired to save us from the wrath that was incurred because He will not tolerate sin. That's the substitutionary sacrifice. That's the picture of the Gospel. And we have to understand the wrath to understand the grace. Dewey, if you would, will you go over there and grab that communion? Because I forgot to grab it. So what I want to do is as he goes and grabs that, I want you to take a moment. We're going to have communion, and after we have communion, the children are going to begin their presentation. But what I want to do right now while you're waiting is close your eyes, everybody in here. This isn't some mysticism. This is you just simply closing your eyes and asking yourself the singular question that we've been continually asking is, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy in my heart? Is He worthy? Do I actually esteem Him worthy by the actions of my life? Do I actually esteem Him worthy by my times of devotion? Do I esteem Him worthy by the time that I devote to Him in prayer? Or the time that I devote to Him in word? Or the things that I choose to watch? The things that I choose to listen to? Do I truly esteem Him as worthy?
Let's meditate on that for a minute. Do I truly take it at its value, the sacrifice that He gave for me, or do I take it for granted because it's something that I hear over and over and over again? Has my heart become hardened to the Gospel because I hear it so often? Do I truly understand the significance? Mr. Lee, if you would come up here for a moment. Alright, right, what we're going to do now when we have the communion, we're going to start over here and if everybody would just stand up all across. This section, they're going to create a line and they're going to come grab the bread and the grape juice. I would say wine, but you know, it's, it's grape juice. Non-alcoholic, promise. They're going to file through and grab it and return to their seats with the elements. And after everybody has done this, then we'll, we'll take communion together. Crackers, but they're right around the edge, so just look a little bit. So I know it's getting low, but it's really nothing. I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to. There we go. If we don't, we'll make more. Okay. I didn't want to show. Be Mr. Lee, you and I will do a private communion after church. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Had more people than we have had in the past, so we were a few short, but that's okay. That's okay. So if everybody would, we're going to do the bread first. And just before you take, just remind yourself, this is a representation of Christ's body that was bruised, that was broken, that was beaten for you. And as often as you take it, go ahead, do it in remembrance of Him, in reverence of Him. And the second is the wine and the juice. And as you take it, this is His blood. This is the emblem. This is the power of the new covenant. 
Essentially, without the blood of Jesus, there is no new covenant. Without blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's no Christianity. So remind yourself as you take that, that without Christ's shed blood, you have nothing, you are nothing, and you can do nothing. Take it. And do it in remembrance and in reverence of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank You as we conclude this communion service and we get ready to enjoy the children's presentation. I just want to thank You, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come into fellowship together, for the opportunity that we have to see the growth and the spiritual maturity of these children. Lord, I just pray that You just continue to bless this congregation and these children. I just pray that You just continue to pour Your Spirit out on this place. And I pray for growth, not just numerically, but spiritual growth in individuals that we may become mighty men and women of God. In Jesus' name, You are worthy. Amen.